Welcome to Freedom, Becoming Fully Alive. So glad you're here today. I pray that you're seeking freedom. I pray that you're becoming increasingly convinced that you can be free. When you consider your heart this morning, do you see your heart as a treasure within, or do you see your heart as trouble, a troublemaker, always getting you in trouble? The answer to that question will say much about whether you're winning or losing the war for your heart. Let's pray and commit this time to the Lord. Lord, we pray your blessing on this time. Lord, you are the one who has come to set the captives free. Convince us, Lord, that if we aren't free, we can be free. Flood this room with hope here this morning. Flood this room with your light, with your truth, with your perspective. We drive out all darkness, all confusion, anything that would hinder. You're the one, Lord, who is freedom. And Lord, we want to experience true freedom in you. Not freedom from responsibility, not freedom to do our own thing, but true freedom under your authority, expressing your glory more and more, becoming fully alive. Thank you for this time. Bless this time. Have your way with each heart here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Freedom. This is the third part of a three-part series. And this part is entitled, Winning the War for Your Heart. The first part was entitled, Becoming Relationally Free. And the second part was entitled, Getting Your Whole Heart Back. When you consider your heart, and the question that I asked earlier, do you see your heart as a treasure? Or do you see your heart as trouble? I pray that you will continue to consider that question as we go through our time today. And I pray the Lord will give new light and his perspective on the condition of your heart. I pray you'll be motivated. I pray you'll be more and more convinced that your heart is worth fighting for. Because a treasure is worth fighting for. If your heart is trouble, we don't need more trouble, right? A troublemaker may not be worth fighting for, but a treasure is. So may the Lord open our eyes to see what is true already as sons and daughters. Our theme passage this morning is on the front of your outline. This session entitled, Tearing Down Spiritual Strongholds. This is taken from 2 Corinthians. On the cover it says 1 Corinthians. It should be 2 Corinthians. The inside on the outline has it correctly. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, to demolish, not just tear down, but demolish. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What is a stronghold? Part of what I want to talk about this morning in a beginning way is what is a stronghold? If we're going to talk about tearing them down or demolishing them, what is 
a stronghold. And even in that passage, we have a beginning definition of what a stronghold really is. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. In other words, any argument, any proposition, any idea, any statement, anything at all that would challenge who God is, who he says he is, anything contrary, anything counterfeit that does not come into alignment, that doesn't agree with God, who he is, what he says, what he wants, is the beginning of a stronghold, a negative strength, if you will, a negative influence that is contrary to the word of God. Who is the strength of your life? Who is the stronghold of your life? What are the strongholds in your life, in my life? I pray we'll be motivated today to get these strongholds out, to get these negative strengths out, to, thank you very much, to be free and become more and more fully alive. On your outline, it says various things, but I want to turn your attention to where it says houses of thought. In the book, The Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipan, he, he breaks down various things, including that concept of a stronghold being a house of thought. And I think that's a great visual. Um, I thought about it this morning. If I had a, a hat on or a kind of a crown on to illustrate this that looks like uh, a castle, a fortress of a castle, so to speak, I could have come in this morning with that as a crown on my head illustrating a stronghold. So what is the stronghold in my mind? What are the belief systems in my mind? What are the, the accurate beliefs if, if it's the stronghold of the Lord? What are the misbeliefs? What is the unbelief? Because there's strength in a stronghold. A house of thought. Fortress of feelings. Systems of sentiment. Collections of the counterfeit. It all says the same. A negative strength. And there's many examples of common strongholds, such as a stronghold of pride, believing in yourself, you're always on your mind. Pride isn't just, here I am, you lucky people. Pride can be thinking too highly of yourself, thinking too lowly of yourself, thinking too much of yourself. One thing about pride is we are always on our mind. Shame, believing you're the sum total of your life's experiences or some defining part thereof. If as a teenager you went out on a date, maybe your first date, and the man you were with date raped you, that could be an imprinting event in your life. It could be a defining event in your life. It could affect you in such a way that you feel unclean. It's like your innocence has been taken away. It's like you were trying to be pure. You were trying to save yourself or your husband. You wanted to be, uh, you want, when you got married, you wanted to be a virgin, but now it's been stolen away. So it's like, well, it's too late to be pure, clean, holy anyway, so it doesn't matter. And besides, I'm craving love. I'm craving acceptance. And this must be what it takes to have the acceptance. This must be what it takes to be loved by a man. So I'll just keep doing that because after all, I, it's been done to me. So it must be who I am. It, it feels like who I am. 
Have we lived life that way? That what we've done or haven't done, what's been done to us, defines us? And we add it all together, a collection of lies, if you will, and we believe into that, and we live from that, and we perpetuate more of the same. If we live that way, that becomes a stronghold. That becomes what we live from, believe into. And we seem to have more and more examples in our life that confirm that it is true. Thus, strengthening the negative strength of the stronghold. Fear, faith in reverse, a lack of revelation of God's love. We see in 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. As we have a greater revelation of his love, as we have a greater revelation that he wants to take care of us. He not only loves us, he likes us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He's not just God, legally obligated. I'm stuck with you. I don't like you anyway, but I'll save you. I said I would. You've come to me on my terms, so I'll save you. You won't go to hell after all, but I don't like you. No, he loves us. He likes us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to convince us he will take care of us. We don't have to be survivors. We don't have to take care of ourselves. We don't have to surround ourselves with strongholds of our our own making, belief systems, protective strongholds, if you will. And the enemy is so happy to just jump right in there and feed those lies. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust God. Could it be? Could it be that he'll let you down again? You can't open your heart to anybody again. You can't get involved with anybody. Don't trust anybody. They'll let you down. They'll betray you. You've got to trust yourself. There's only one person you can trust. Who are we listening to when we consider such thoughts? We're not listening to God, for sure. And that just feeds the stronghold that actually would feed fear, among other things, because we're not convinced that he's going to take care of us, that he's not going to take care of us, rather, so we better take care of ourselves. Rejection. What happens when you put more faith in others and yourself rather than God? That was the stronghold of my life, rejection, and I'll talk more about that today. I know what it's like not to be free. I know what it is like to be free, and I know what it takes to be free, and I'm here to convince you again today. You can be free. And the things I've shared in previous sessions and the things I'm going to be sharing today and the things I'm going to be sharing in the future will be what is necessary, what it takes. With God adding the increase, he'll do that. And you'll be free. Free, free. Not just positionally free, but dealing with garbage on your radar screen all the time and struggling and striving and trying to live the Christian life on your own strength, that is Christianized flesh, that's death warmed over, that's not life. He wants us to live and thrive, not just survive. But survivors are surrounded by strongholds. Thrivers only need one. He, Jesus, the stronghold, the strength of their life. Anger, what happens when you demand what you think is right and or try to control the outcome of the situation? It's a, that's a heavy load, isn't it? <laughs> there is only one. There's only one that's qualified to be in control. There's only one that's sovereign. There's only one that is fitted for such a responsibility. And he's God, and we aren't God, are we? 
But when we try to be stronger, it just wipes us out, spirit, soul, and body. Depression, what happens when you put your hope in other than God? Unbelief, not believing in God. Self-pity, when you make yourself the God of all self-comfort. As a part of being always on your mind. It's interesting how sometimes we take comfort in our anger. We take comfort in our unforgiveness. We take comfort in our resentment. We even take some degree of comfort in our rejection because we get the attention that maybe we're craving because people are trying to reassure us, you're special, you're accepted, you're wonderful. And it's true if we agree with God. It's true. You are wonderful. I'm just agreeing with God. I see you with eyes of destiny. I'm just agreeing with God. It's true. But some people in their attention-getting mode will actually play-act to a degree to get attention. Because they realize if they get free, if they get free, maybe they won't get as much attention. Have you been guilty of that? I pray you so desperately want to be free, even if in that freedom you're thinking, well, people won't give me as much attention. Uh, people won't try to assure me. People won't try to encourage me. People won't try to help me. I won't, be, I, I won't need counseling anymore. I won't need this kind of help anymore. I mean, that's why they're in relationship with me, aren't they? I mean, that's why they're trying to help me, right? Because that's what they do, right? If it, was just, if it just was relationship with me, they wouldn't want anything to do with me, right? Because they're on a mission, right? They love Jesus and they want to help me. But when I'm free, they'll just move on to somebody else, right? They won't want anything to do with me anymore, right? Wrong. If we carry the heart of God, our heart is, I want to be with you just because of you. Because you're special, because you're wonderful. My, the basis of my relationship with you isn't because you've got a problem, so therefore when your problem is fixed, then bye-bye. I don't need to be around you anymore. I'll move on to somebody that's got a, somebody else has got a, a problem. No, 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 no. Now, there may be some who live that way. There may be some that you've had that kind of experience with. I pray it will not be so with those of us that are trying to minister, desiring to minister. Freedom, fresh start to freedom, a fresh start with a purpose and becoming fully alive. We must live this life. We must live this life. And that's part of the purpose. That's, that's part of what I want to try to convince you of today. We cannot just hang out day by day. We can't just float. We can't just drift. We can't just let life happen. We cannot just let life come to us. We must live proactively. We must live purposefully. You won't drift closer to God. We must be convinced that we are in a war zone. Now, it's true, the battle. It's true, Jesus is the victor. It's true, he came to defeat the works of the devil, and he has. It's true, he is the victory. It's true, we are more than conquerors in him. It's true, but just as it is in the land of Iraq, Saddam Hussein is gone. He's been dethroned. Satan is defeated, but... He and his demons are still terrorists on planet Earth. And so it is. We still live in a land of terrorism, if you will. So the enemy knows he's defeated. He knows we have the authority. He knows 
more than we know, really, <laughs> in that way. Part of what I want to convince you of today is we must live life on a war footing. Not because we're trusting in ourselves. If you trust yourself, you'll just feed the problem of strongholds. We must be dependent upon the victor, Jesus Christ. But we must realize we're in a war zone. We must realize where our authority comes from. We must realize who we are. We must agree with God. We must be free from the message of the arrows. We must come into a greater revelation of who we are in Christ as sons and daughters. We must be free. We must guard our hearts above all things, for out of it flows the issues of life. We must be clean inside and out. We must worship the only true God because he's worthy. We must have a purpose. We must have a focus. We must have a plan, if I can say it that way, and he directs our steps. We cannot just hang out. We cannot just float. We cannot let just, well, I hope, I hope for the best, you know. I'm in a war zone. I sure hope I make it. I'm in a war zone. I sure hope he, he doesn't let me get killed or destroyed or anything. I'll just sit back. I hope for the best. We cannot live passively. But we must have our faith, our devotion, our trust focused on one, resting in that one under the authority do you see yourself as the enemy? You've heard the saying. You've heard it said. You're your own worst enemy. Do you believe that? If you believe that, that is a stronghold of thought. We are not. Well, situationally we may say it, and we know what we mean by that. But it isn't the truth, capital T. We are not our own worst enemy. We must know that the enemy is not within. The treasure is within, Jesus Christ. He is the treasure. He is not the enemy within. He is not the problem within. And if we live like, well, there's, a, there's trouble in there. Because, because we've been so used because of the strongholds. Maybe we haven't even surrendered our life to Jesus. Maybe we have. Maybe we're not living like it. We have strongholds. We have unevangelized areas of our life. Maybe that's all part of it. But the enemy is not within. The enemy is out there and he wants to destroy. The thief has come to kill, to devour, and to destroy. So will we take full responsibility? Yes. And not say, well, the devil made me do it. Blame it all on him, not take responsibility. No. But if we see, if we see that the enemy is our heart, then we will see everything through that. And whenever we're tempted, we'll say, Woe is me, there's the enemy popping up again. And it'll feed the stronghold of shame. It'll feed the stronghold of rejection. It'll feed the stronghold of defeat. Because as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. What we believe, we will live from what we believe. So part of the purpose of this part of freedom is to convince you again and again of what's true about you. And if you are not a son or a daughter yet, if you've not surrendered to Jesus Christ on his terms, that's curable. <laughs> that's curable. So no defeat in that too. In fact, as you see, you know, I haven't surrendered my life to the Lord. You know, I've been living for myself. That, that actually could be a message of hope to you because that could help explain why, why it is, why your life has been powerless, why you've got somebody strong. Let that be hope. Don't let it be defeat. If you see you're running your own life, don't let it be another example of despair. I, I can't believe it. How could I have let that happen? Let that be, oh, now I understand. I understand 
That gives me hope. I understand I've been living for myself. I understand I've been walking after the flesh. I understand I've been guilty of misbelief. I understand I've been identifying with strongholds as my true identity. I understand it now. My eyes are being opened now. The lights are coming on now. Now I know why the defeat has been there. So then I don't feel, de I don't feel defeated about the defeat. I feel encouraged to see truth in perspective. It can really change if I put my hope in him. If I humble myself and walk in the humility and the fear of the Lord, and I agree with God and make Jesus the reason that I do what I do or I don't do, riches and honor and life, by his definition, will be mine. So is the enemy on the inside? Are you the enemy? We must live on war footing. We must be engaged. But don't consider that. Don't interpret that as we're fighting the devil all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. Because if you engage in that way, you'll be preoccupied with the enemy and not preoccupied with the victor. And the Lord wants us preoccupied with him, not always on our mind, not preoccupied with the enemy, but preoccupied with the Lord Jesus Christ, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, preoccupied with him, and then we live our life. As we live our life, then we are occupied. We are occupied with what's on his mind. <laughs> We're not always on our mind. We are preoccupied with him. As we are preoccupied with him, we are occupied with what is on his mind and heart. And then more and more, we see how he sees. And that is wisdom. Wisdom is seeing things from God's point of view, and living like we see things from his point of view. We see cause and effect, sowing and reaping. We, as Erwin McManus says in the book Uprising, we connect the dots. Are we connecting the dots? Are we living like, we realize there's a law of sowing and reaping. Are we living like we believe there's a cause and effect? Or are we just continuing to do the same things we've done before, expecting different results? Someone has said that's a definition of insanity. The Lord wants to change our mind. That is repentance. He wants to change our heart. That is spiritual repentance. And he wants to cause us to become fully alive. Strongholds will keep you from knowing Jesus as he really is and keep you from knowing who you really are in him. You know, sometimes people will object to giving attention to oneself and one's heart. They'll think, oh, don't, we're just thinking too much about ourselves. We're thinking too much about our hearts. I mean, you know, you're calling attention to these things, Steve, like we need to resolve some things. Let's just think about Jesus. Forget the past. Just think about Jesus. Just do it. You know, the Nike approach, just do it. Don't think about what you feel. Christians listen to their feelings too much anyway. Just do it. Just decide. Just obey. Just, just, just. Do, do, do. Choose, choose, choose. But if there are issues that need resolving, if there are strongholds of thought and feeling and life and perspective, those will keep us from knowing him and who we are in him. And I say, what better reason? What better reason to get the arrows out? What better reason to win the war for your heart? What better reason to know who you are as a son or daughter? What better reason to settle the verdict? The verdict isn't out. We are 
redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son of love. We are sons and daughters. What better reason to have revelation of that in that as you do, then who are you thinking more of? Him and others, who are you thinking less of? You're not always on your mind because you know who you are. So you're free to give. You're free to live. You're becoming fully alive. The glory of God is coming through. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's not freedom for freedom's sake. It's always for him. As we continue on today, I'd like you to ask yourself the question, is there a stronghold in my life? Is there a negative strength? Is there a fortress? Is there a hindrance? Is there a ball and chain? Am I being held back? Am I, do I have the experience that I, I know I've, this is in my life, but, and I've prayed, and I thought that getting the arrows out would do it, and I, I'm, still, I'm still not free. I still struggle with that person. I still struggle with anger. I still struggle with rejection. I'm not free, free, and I want to be free, free. How, Steve, I want to be free, free. Welcome to freedom. Identify that stronghold, and then let's track that through the rest of our session today and in the sessions to come. We're going to pause just for a moment as you consider, before we go any further, I want you to consider what is, and there may be more than one, but choose one, what is the stronghold of your life today? And now we come to the part in our session and on our outline of how to tear down strongholds. I love what it says in the NIV in terms of demolishing. I, I like that word better. I mean, tear down, demolish, that'll get it done. But <clears throat> if you're tearing down a house, right now we're doing some remodeling and our master bath is being demolished. <laughs> it's a good thing. Because in order for that bath, that master bath, to be transformed <laughs> and become fully alive, if you will, it must be, it must be demolished. The old must go. It must. We, we need a fresh start. So when you tear something down or you demolish something, as you're doing it, there's no regard for trying to salvage something, is there? You know what I mean? It's like especially the word demolish. I mean, we're not thinking about saving anything, are we? I mean, it is demolish, tear down, demolish. In other words, there's nothing worth saving. There's nothing worth salvaging. So as you enter into this, as we enter into this next section, how to tear down strongholds, it's so important that uh, ever increasingly in your heart, you are desiring, I really want to be free. I really want to be free. And I'll fast forward and tell you a little story in terms of what the day I was free, free. And it came right up to that. And I'll share more of the process. But right there at the end, before the Lord set me free, free. And ever since then, ever since then, rejection has been a non-issue in my life. Non-issue. In fact, it's not even a temptation anymore. It's not even on my radar screen. Free, free, non-issue. But before... I prayed that day, we prayed. Mindy asked the question, 
this is what I think it is. But you've got to want to be free. Don't pray unless you want it gone. She said it nicely. She's wonderful. And at first that kind of bumped me a little bit because I thought, well, of course I want it gone. I mean, you know what I've been experiencing? You know what's been on my radar screen for years? Of course I want it gone. So a little pride bump there. But I came to my senses, repented even of that, and prayed. And as I prayed, as I prayed that day, and I'll come back and fill in the blanks, but as I prayed that day, the more I prayed, the more I realized I've been robbed. Oh, yes, I've taken responsibility. I've repented of my repentance. I've repented of pride and idolatry. And I love the Lord with all my heart. I'll do anything. I'll obey him no matter what the cost. And that was my heart. My heart was set on pleasing God. So I know it wasn't a case of blaming the devil. But I saw with eyes of understanding, I've been robbed. And I pray that part of what God gives you today is revelation. That no more than one thing is true. But the, you will see, we are in a war, and there is an enemy, and he wants to destroy us, and he's happy to take 10, 20, or 30 years to get it done. He'll study us, he'll watch us, he'll try to entrap us, he'll try to snare us, he wants to destroy us, he's not in a hurry, he doesn't have to get it done today, he's not going to show up and say, here I am, I'm going to get you. No, he's so subtle, he's such a liar, he's such a deceiver. But I realized I've been robbed. But a holy anger came on me, which was good. And I pray a holy anger comes on because that's part of the problem with the strongholds that we have is that we, if we've got these strongholds of thought that uh, all add up to and conclude in, I don't, I don't amount to much, I'm, I'm a hired hand, I'm an orphan, I'm not a son, I'm not a daughter. If you, live like, if you think you're an orphan, you're going to live like one. If you think you're a hired hand or servant girl, you're going to live like one striving and trying to perform. But if you have revelation that you're a son, a daughter, you'll start living like one. It will change how you live. It'll change how you ask. It'll change what you believe. It'll change what you pray for. Because you won't be just thinking, well, I'm an orphan. God doesn't care about orphans. Here I am an orphan. If you really cared about me, I wouldn't be an orphan. No. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. So we've all been robbed. Lord, open our eyes to see. But you see, if you see yourself as an orphan or a hired hand, you don't think you've been robbed, do you? In fact, you probably think it's your fault. Because you probably think you're the enemy. The enemy is within, right? So if there's a problem, you've made the mess. And yes, more than one thing is true. We have made messes, haven't we? I mean, I made a royal mess earlier in my life, in more ways than one, in my marriage insanely jealous, extremely controlling, abusive verbally, emotionally, and physically. It was a mess. I was a mess. It was terrible. It was, as I think back on it now, it is so grieving, it's so unthinkable. In my anger, I could have done permanent damage to my wife. I could have conceivably broken her neck or killed her. Heaven, heaven forbid. Unintentionally, not with premeditation, but in my anger and losing control because I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for definition. I had a father wound. I was looking to her for significance and she was not responding to me the way I wanted her to, so I forced the issue. 
And in my anger, I just drove her further away. But thankfully, 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 and I take no credit for this, I drove her into God's arms. Thankfully, she didn't build a fortress of survivorship, being a survivor. I drove her into the arms of our wonderful, loving, heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, who saved her, who made her a daughter, and put his love in her heart, even for me. <laughs> amazing, amazing, even for me. And she was convinced, she was convinced. Well, Lord, you love me. Talk about connecting the dots here. You love me. Uh, how, I don't see how you can love him. So your love for me is going to translate into you're either going to kill him, he'll leave me, uh, he'll be out of the picture. That's loving me, right? Love can include Stephen. He can't be a part of the equation. But then the, love began, the Lord began to shed his love abroad in her heart, even for me. Amazing grace, amazing love. So here we are. Lord, give us revelation that we've been robbed. Give us revelation. Rise up the holy anger, because that's part of the war footing. Because a lot of times we live on planet Earth and we don't live on that war footing. We think the enemy's within. We think the mess is just our doing. More than one thing is true. Maybe we've got, we got a big share in it. Maybe we've got a big stake in it. But it's like we don't even consider the enemy. We don't even consider that realm. Because that would be a cop-out, right? And then we look at all the abuses. All the, the uh, Christians that call themselves spirit-filled Christians or charismatic Christians or Pentecostal Christians. And we see how the abuses, the, the, the abuses we perceive. The presumptions that they make on God. They have a problem and they blame it on the devil. They get sick and they just blame it on the devil. Somebody dies and they just blame it on the devil. I've got a struggle or a problem, I just blame it on the devil. And we react to those excesses. Sometimes it is the devil, sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's life on planet Earth, living in a fallen world. But they make it all one thing, and we overreact to that. So therefore, nothing is the devil. If there's a problem, it's got to be me, or you. Blame game. So open our eyes to see. Give us, give us the gift, Lord, of discerning of spirits so that we know the voice of God, we let the flesh, the human part, take responsibility for its part, and we see the influence of the, de uh, the enemy for what it is. Distinguishing between or among the three. How to tear down strongholds. We need to recognize. We need to take ownership. We will not be taking ownership if we're looking outwardly. Judging won't help us, as it refers in Matthew 7. Luke 18, comparing won't help us. Unrighteous judgment and comparing won't help us. We must humble ourselves. We must agree with God. What is the stronghold of your life? For me, it was rejection. We must be willing, as I said earlier. We must be willing. I pray there's an increasing desire to be free. Maybe you've sought to be free in the past. I don't want to discourage you, but I had rejection on my radar screen for over 20 years. I don't want you to get the feeling that it's going to take 20 for you. But we need to settle this at the extreme. Don't put a time on it. If it takes 30, invite God to get all the mileage he wants. If you struggle with somebody in your life, unforgiveness, anger, a stronghold thereof, rejection, shame, 
Oh, there's nothing lacking in God, nothing lacking in Him. What we're going to talk about is how you can be free. We're going to be, I'm going to be convincing you, you can be. How to be, and you can be. But we've got to let God be in charge of the clock, don't we? Because if we do, we'll just prolong the process. After I told the Lord, by the way, that uh, I didn't, he didn't have to take this stronghold of uh, rejection away. I wanted him to, but he didn't have to. But uh, because if he wanted to use it to keep me closer to him and keep pressing me to him, then that's all that mattered, him. Shortly thereafter, he set me free. What did he want to hear? He wanted to hear, and of course, he saw my heart already. He wanted to hear that I wanted him more than I wanted to be free. <laughs> How about you? Do you want him more than you want to be free? Or do you want to be free more than you want him? We can miss that so subtly, can't we? No condemnation, no matter what you are. No matter where you are today, no condemnation. That's not, why, that's, not why I'm bringing, that's not why I'm bringing this up, to say shame on you. If you are at a place that you know you shouldn't be and you, and you need to change, that's not my point. Just be open. Just be open and receive. <clears throat> so willingness is a key. I'm reminded again of the Derek Prince story that some of you have heard me tell in the past. where He tells the story, kind of an analogy, of uh, the difference between the flesh side of things, which could include pride and uh, issues of rejection and wounds and unforgiveness and those kind of things in the human heart. And, and he tells the story, uh, makes an analogy of a dead cow in the field. If you can envision the field, here we are, summer breeze out in a wheat field, if you will, and there's the dead cow out in the wheat field. And that dead cow represents those kind of things wounds, unforgiveness, pride, other issues of the heart, sin, all of that. Okay, that's the dead cow. And then he makes a distinction that the buzzards, the buzzards come, the, the vultures come, and they want to feed on that. And the vultures represent the demonic. But there's a difference between the dead cow and the demonic. What we are doing here on Sunday mornings, first and foremost, though we talk about the buzzards too, but first and foremost, we want to get the dead cow out of the field. Get the arrows out, free from the message of the arrows, pride, shame, fear, rejection, anger, depression. Get the arrows out. Come into revelation of who you are, a son or a daughter, pleasing in the Lord's sight, rejoices over you with singing, living from that reality. That's true. Get the dead cow out of the field so that the vultures don't have anything to eat. But keep in mind that even when they do not have anything to eat, they still hate us. And they will come harassing anyway. So whether they've got something to eat or not, we need to know how to respond to the buzzards. So, yes, get the dead cow out of the field. Yes, tear down the strongholds. Yes, demolish. Yes, get the arrows out. Yes, yes, yes. No dead cow. Nothing for buzzards to eat. Nothing for demons to feed on. Nothing for them to come and erect their fortresses so that they get into a closer proximity to feed us lies. Oh, yes, you want the enemy to get into closer proximity? Then have unforgiveness in your heart. And the enemy will come closer and lie to you some more.
If you want him to come closer, then have unresolved anger, like it says in Ephesians 4.26. Be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27, don't give any foothold to the devil. So <clears throat> are we living our lives in a way <clears throat> that we are not inviting him, the devil? We are not inviting any demons in our life. Through the company we keep, the music we listen to, the conversations we have, the condition of our hearts, the influences that we expose ourselves to, what we allow our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to meditate, are we opening the door unnecessarily for him to come closer and erect his fortress? Remember Cain and Abel? Cain's sacrifice wasn't acceptable. God said, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. The devil is crouching at our door. He desires to destroy us. Am I here again? I'm not trying to get you devil preoccupied. I'm not trying to get you devil conscious, but we must be conscious of whatsoever things are true in a situation. And if it's true he's a part of the picture, then it is true. And what it is true, we can do something about it. And that's what we're talking about today. The best defense, if I can say it this way, the best, you know, when we talk about deliverance, healing and deliverance, there is no substitute for surrendering your life, repenting of running your life. Godly sorrow. You're sorry because of the sin, not because of the consequences, first and foremost. And absolute surrender of your life on God's terms to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that he becomes the stronghold of your life. There is no substitute for that. Because if he is not the stronghold of your life, then there's a leadership vacuum. And guess who will want to be the leader? Guess who will want to be the influencer? Guess who wants to be the liar and the destroyer? Oh, he'll be happy to be that and you won't even realize it. You won't even think of it that way. Because when we're always on our mind, we don't even know who we're talking to sometimes. We don't even know who we're listening to sometimes. We don't even know the things we're actually considering are from the pit of hell. But we, we, don't, we wouldn't purposely do that, would we? But when we step back from it, we think, well, that's certainly not from God. Because he doesn't say, you'll never amount to anything. I'm sorry I made you. You'll never be free. Don't listen to Steve. He doesn't know what he's talking about. God doesn't care about you. Look what he's allowed. He allowed you to be raped. You've lived like an orphan. Yeah, you resonate with that orphan thinking, don't you? You feel like you're an orphan. You're not, you're, you, God really doesn't love you. Could it be? Could it be that what he's saying is a farce? Look at your life. Look at your life. Your life isn't lying. Look at all the trouble. Look at all the betrayal. Look at all the poverty. Look at all the problems. Your parents didn't love you. Your dad was never there for you. Your mom was an alcoholic. What? That's reality. That is your life added up. That's who you are. Where's that coming from? Not God. Right now there's a... Uh, Spider-Man movie out. I have not seen it, by the way. Uh, I'm not against it. I just haven't seen it. But I've heard some good reports about it. And um, <clears throat> I may go check it out. But speaking of Spider-Man, I heard a story long ago about a Spider-Man. A man, if you can imagine this, who was so afflicted, so oppressed, 
so captivated by the enemy that he got down on the floor and he acted like a spider one day. And his wife called, this was a family out in California, his wife called the pastor and said, Pastor, my husband's down on the floor and the best way I know how to describe it is he's acting like a spider. So the pastor came out with a ministry team. Now what did they do? What did they do with Spider-Man? What did they do? Well, here's where they started. Where they started was because this man was not in a receiving mode. He was not comprehending anything. They couldn't get down on the floor and reason with him at that point, as you can imagine. But what they did, because they knew their authority in Christ, they knew they were sons and not orphans. They knew they were sons and not hired hands. They knew who they were in Christ. They knew the name of Jesus. They knew the authority of his name, the blood of the lamb. They knew that greater is Jesus in them than the, de the enemy that has that man on the floor captive. They knew who they were, and the first thing they did was take authority over the influence of that uh, demonic influence and bound it and muzzled it and commanded it to be quiet and when they did, the man awakened out of his stupor. And then what did they do? Leave? It's like, oh, he's, he's back. He's back. So, okay, mission accomplished. Spider-Man's gone. No. They talked to him further, <clears throat> and they realized that he had never surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had never repented of running his life. Jesus was not the Lord of his life. Oh yeah, he had strongholds. He had doors and windows open for the enemy. He was severely in bondage. But they knew that first and foremost, Jesus needed to become the stronghold of his life before they could go any further, before they could deal with any issues of the heart, before they could get any arrows out before they could begin to teach him how to live from being a son or a daughter. And that's what they did. The Lord set him free, a power encounter, if you will, initial, an initial power encounter, but then they shifted over to a truth encounter. As it says in Luke, not Luke, John 8, 31 and 32, if you continue in my word, you will be true disciples of mine and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They led him to the one who is all authority, and he surrendered his life to the one who is all authority so that he, the former Spider-Man, could participate in becoming fully alive, free from and then free into a life of victory. No substitute for repenting and believing. No substitute for being filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about these things in the years, uh, excuse me, yeah, in the years to come too, uh, in the weeks to come, in the months, in the years. But uh, we need power, not our power. Not the power of self-sufficiency, mind over matter, willpower. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the best way to tap into and live from the power of the Holy Spirit is you surrender your life to Jesus and you want him for him and you want him to fill you. And like it says in Luke 11, 11, if fathers, I'm paraphrasing, Peterson, Peterson paraphrased, if fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit 
the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Not just the initial Jesus moving in, as wonderful as that is, being born again, but filled, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And be ye being, keep on being filled because we leak. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, more of the infinite Him. A lifestyle of more of you, Lord, more of you, more of you, more of you. Not always on my mind, more of you, for you, for your glory. And then instruction and in righteousness, getting into these kind of environments, personal training, counseling, etc., if we need it to sort out the reality, capital R, to see where the counterfeit is, to see where the lies are, exchanging the truth for the lies. It's all part of the process of growth. And then revelation of hidden things, which is that and release from wounds is a lot of what we got into in our last series, getting the arrows out, free from the message of the arrows, because we need to take a look at those things. We need to be free from those things. And then release from the power and the works of the enemy. And some of the things you'll notice as you look at the session titles of things coming up, we're going to go into those things in more detail. It should say the weapons of our warfare, not just the weapon, the weapons of our warfare. And in the weeks to come, we're going to talk more about that, the weapons of our warfare. We're going to talk about the armor of God. We're going to talk about the authority of the believer. We're going to talk about how to live this life from the victor. From We're going to live as if we know we're in a war, but we are going to live like we know who the victor is. And as sons and daughters, we are going to experience the victory and become fully alive and win the war for our hearts and not just get our whole hearts back, but keep them, keep them. And we're going to get set free and stay free, learn how to stay free and come, become fully alive in him. Lord, bless our time, add the increase. Thank you for everybody that's here. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, move on our hearts to respond, even what you've brought forth today. And I know there's more to come, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.